Hello and welcome to The Garden Pod. This episode is a conversation with David James, our Director of Professional Learning. We cover a fair bit of ground here, um, including sort of what professional learning is, what it looks like at Garden International School, and then towards the last half of the, the latter half of the podcast, we discuss sort of reflective practice and what that means and some of the challenges that come around that um, and what we think is good reflection and what perhaps is less so. Um, So I think this one is good for uh, teachers, definitely, but I think it's also good for parents or people from other schools interested in professional learning cultures, how we embed professional learning within garden um, and how you might do it within other schools and what we value and what we think is important. So uh, let's let David do the talking and I will pass it on to him, Mr. David James. sitting here and we found one of the quietest places in the school, which should be good, so maybe no background noise. I'm sitting here with uh, Mr. David James. David, do you want to just quickly explain your role within the school? Hi, good afternoon. Well, like James said, uh, my name's David James and I'm the Director of Professional Learning here at Garden School. Um, and my role within the school is very much around staff development and supporting staff as they develop a practice and identifying areas of learning that we want to enhance. Okay, so I think we're probably quite lucky that we have you and your role in the school because it's not, is it, would it be fair to say it's quite unusual to have a role like this in schools? I think professional development is obviously something a lot of schools take seriously, but I think you, it's very hard to find schools where you have it is such a central piece of what they do that they devote a particular role where that's the main thing that you do. Yeah. Uh, often it's seen as an add-on on top of other areas of responsibility. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's, it's quite unique. Okay, so we obviously put a um, great deal of value in this. We've, we've got you who runs the, across the whole school. So tell me, why is professional learning important? That's a big question. But why is it so important? Why, why should your role exist? Right, that's a very good question. Um, it's not an interview question. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll think back yeah, to yeah. I guess time and time again, research is showing that the biggest impact on learning comes from the teachers. It's yeah. the teachers who spend the time day-to-day with the students. And obviously you've got multiple factors that influence that, leadership and, and so on and so on. But if you look at the, the research people like Vivian Robinson has done, if you look at the McKinsey reports, They've said that the biggest impact that we can have on learning is the development of teachers. And so it's it's that belief, really, that we want the very best for our students. And to get the very best for the students here at Garden School, we believe that we should be developing staff to be be the best they can be. And and I think it was Dylan Williams who said it's not because they're not good enough. Mm. And I want to state from the very beginning, it's not because we don't believe our staff are good. They are. Our staff are wonderful. It's just that belief that we're all lifelong learners. Education is changing. And so as part of that, we need to be changing and developing at the same time. Yeah, and there's a, there's a whole growth mindset thing yeah. going on there, isn't there, as well, that we, that we can always get better and we should mm-hmm. be looking for ways to get better and looking for ways to improve. 
Um, and then if we link that to some of Hattie's stuff, you know, the biggest impact mm. upon the kids is the adult within the room and the teacher yeah. within the room. So therefore it makes sense to spend yeah. some time um, looking after them and, and improving theirs. So, all right, so let's try and sort of break this down a little bit. We've, we run all sorts of different things in terms mm. of professional development. So if you could give us in a nutshell some of the things that you lean, you do that allow our teachers to develop. Okay, I think where we're developing our professional learning programme, it's very much about personalised, um, self-directed learning. Mm. Where we are a big school, we have about 270 academic staff. And if you consider the range of different experiences, the different roles, the different backgrounds that these staff come from, as well as their unique nature as a teacher, this idea of a, a one-size-fits-all just doesn't fit. Yeah. And so very much our professional learning programme is developing opportunities for staff to engage in learning at where they are at that point. Yeah. So Dare I jump in yeah. and suggest a one-size-fits-all approach? So mm. that immediately what jumps to mind is like a, a start-of-the-year inset day, mm. inset in-service training, I think they used to be called in the UK, yeah. day where everybody, okay, today we're going to look at X assessment for learning mm. and we'll spend the next two hours doing that. Is that is that kind of what you mean by one size fits all? Yeah, I think so. I do believe there is a time and a space for that. So, for example, last year we we were looking at developing talk for writing here at school mm -hmm. um, and as part of that very few teachers already had that, that knowledge and so for them it was a new initiative. And so when you're looking at that kind of assess, uh, that kind of CPD training, that professional learning where the vast majority of staff were at that same starter level. Yeah. In a way, that, that one size fits all is slightly different. Okay. Because that was training to support the implementation of a new strategy, yeah. a new um, approach to learning. Which affects everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. But I think what we mean by one size fits all, for example, is we have our GIS learner statements, for example, where we've said that this is what we believe good learning looks like. And within that, if you look at the spread across the school, it does look different. There's some teachers who, through their practice, through who they are, are particularly strong in one aspect or one learner statement, but there's another learner statement they want to enhance and, mm. and develop further. And so saying that everyone, you need to do this one, well, that might not be as much of a need for them because it's already an area where they're confident. It's an area that they've spent time developing and practicing. So... Yeah. I guess that's what I would mean okay. by that. So the kind of whole school mm -hmm. stuff has its place and is is still important, but it shouldn't be our default. No. And I think you, as with all things, you look at why you're doing it. Yeah. Ah, great. Yeah. Why? So you mentioned to me earlier on uh, Simon, I can never pronounce his surname, Sinek? I, I say cynic, cynic but Simon. it could be Sinek, yeah. Okay, so something along those lines. And he did a big thing on Start With Why. I know you've been reading that book, mm. haven't you? So maybe you could link his work there and his ideas to our professional learning uh, culture within our school. And this, I think, connects with that conversation we had the other day where we were talking about the different things that have influenced you. And I remember you were talking about the work of um, growth mindsets, yeah. emotional intelligence. And for me, it would be the work of, of Simon Sinek. And it's coming back to the why do we do things. Mm. Schools, I, I think I was reading something by um, Robert Cope. He's a professor at Durham 
um, the University of the Chem Centre there. And he was talking about how teachers are great lovers of initiatives. Teachers mm. like taking on new things. And often at schools you can take on something new without actually thinking about, well, why are we doing this? Okay. We only have X amount of time. Mm. We cannot facilitate all the different strategies and, and so on. And so it's about coming back and prioritising what is the most important thing for us and why are we doing this. And it's developing that core belief that this is our vision, this is our purpose. So at Garden School, for example, our core beliefs are that we want to be this learning culture where staff, where children and students and parents are in this kind of this learning culture, this community of learners. So if we start with that why, well, we want to be a community of learners. Yeah. But we believe that a community of learners from a staff perspective is where they're collaborating, they're reflecting, they're um, guiding their own um, development. Then that gives us our why. And then the programmes that we develop, the, mm. the strategies and, and, and so on, matches with that. Lead to that why. Yeah. Okay, so give us a, a little indication of what kinds of things um, we do here in order to meet that why, that we, that we become a community of learners. Okay. Well, if we take one of, one of our programmes, for example, the Friday afternoon programme, mm -hmm. our professional learning time programme. So for, for people not aware, um, every Friday afternoon we have two hours of dedicated professional learning time across the school. Mm. So students um, finish early, um, some of them engage in CCAs and so on, but other children go home. Um, but it's because we feel that staff need that time to engage in professional learning. Mm. Their own professional learning. Their own professional learning mm. or engage with professional learning opportunities. Okay. And so it's not as if every Friday staff have that, those two hours to their own time yeah. every Friday, although that's an important component. But we also believe that we need time to engage with colleagues. Yeah. We need time to engage in professional learning courses where we've, which are matched to areas that we want to develop, so personalised in that way, but where we can engage with new learning. Yep. We can reflect on it and engage with it within our own practice, take it into our classrooms, have a go, and then come back to colleagues a number of weeks later and talk through the impact, talk through the, the successes, the challenges and where to yep. go next. So almost a bit like a kind of action research framework. And, yeah. yeah. So can we just quickly, because I don't want the whole 20 minutes, half hour, whatever we're going to do, to be just kind of what we do at Garden. Yeah. Um, but I think that frames the next bit of the discussion. Yeah. So let's just quickly look at, all right, so we will send people off to courses Definitely. and we'll get experts into school. In fact, we've yep. got somebody called Liz Gibbs, a maths expert in school right now, and we're hoping to talk to her later. Um, so that's one side of things. And on Friday afternoons, we'll have things like the PLC, which stands for Professional Learning Course, yeah. um, where people will learn something new, try it out with their kids, reflect upon it, amend it, and then feedback. So could you give us an example of a couple of professional learning courses that are running at the moment? Okay. Fine if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the one I'm I'm running at the moment um, is based around reflective practice. Yeah. What are the strategies that teachers can engage with that will support the development of reflective practitioners? Yeah. And so through that, the, the staff who have signed up to in, to take part in this group are looking at the use of say video technology. Yeah. Uh, observations but peer observations yeah. for formative purposes coaching and questioning but also reflective writing um, other courses such as the one you're leading for example on learner skills 
um, we've got people looking at, so in secondary school, for example, they're looking at one, how do you develop language skills for EAL learners within the, the mainstream curriculum? Mm. So all the PLCs have come from an identified area of need. Yeah. And I think one of the areas we're, we're talking a lot about and I'm personally reflecting a lot about is how do we know that what we're doing is, is the right thing, mm. that we've got our right priorities? Where are we getting that information and that evidence from? So as you know, we, we use the Blue Sky platform here yeah. and teachers are involved in that kind of professional self-review and allow, that allows us to capture how staff perceive themselves after um, critical conversations or, or conversations with a, a reviewer. And so from that, we can get a snapshot of learning. Yeah. But I guess where we're looking at next, well, what else informs those kind of decisions? Okay, so we're, we've, we've potentially jumped ahead a little okay, bit. Okay, sorry. No, it's all right. I think it's easy to do. Um, so we've got the PLCs. We'll come back to that because yep. that's really, really important in terms of what staff do for their own professional mm. development. Focus groups. So yep. there would be a link to the strategic, strategic plan. Strategic plan, yeah. Yep, so, so if we go back to the professional learning time program then. Yep. So it's made up of focus groups. And, and they're kind of collaborative focus groups linked to aspects of a school strategic plan yeah. where staff can engage in school development. Yeah. It's optional, yeah. although I think this year we've had about 50% of staff who have engaged with it, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah. But we've got a school where 50% of our staff really want to engage in aspects of school improvements. Yeah. And without going into too much detail, then so we've got three strands, planning for learning, conversations for learning, and um, professional learning, right. and this gives um, voice to any member of staff who's interested in any one of those areas to, to have their say in the strategic direction of the school, and certainly yep. someone who runs one of those, and then my, my team, shout out to the focus group, have been instrumental in changing my thinking and changing my mind sometimes on, on how we approach stuff, so that's been really valuable for me anyway, so well done. Yeah. Um, and I guess my thinking of this has been very much um, I've done a one of my goals this year is um, about the area of accountability yeah. and for a lot of the reading I've done hasn't been so much about accountability but it's this notion of shared responsibility yeah. how do you develop this notion of shared responsibility where we have this common vision this mm. common framework and this common way of working mm. and it isn't just one person at the front saying this is what we're about to do but it's about engaging with different people, allowing opportunity for that voice and that feedback in to then develop, okay, well, this is how we're going to go ahead and this is why we're going to do it. And then, I know this is going slightly off topic, it's okay, but then you've, you've got an agreed framework. So yeah. then when it does come back to those kind of conversations, well, why isn't this working? Well, well actually, though, this is something we've agreed on beforehand. Yeah. This is something we've had that feedback. So it's not just my view, but it's the views of different people. We've looked at it from different perspectives, mm. and we've agreed this is the right way forward. Do you think this slows stuff down? So one argument against, mm. and not one that I'd be a proponent of, but one argument that, that would be against the kind of focus group approach would be mm. you just slow stuff down. Yes, and that's where you you continually come back to, is this having an impact on what we're doing? Mm. Yeah, I, I agree there is um, that potential. I've, I've been reading a book recently, and now I'm in front of a mic, my, my mind has gone. Um, but it's all about motivation, and it's, it's something like the art of motivation. And within it, they were talking about how often 
taking multiple perspectives doesn't always lead to a better result. Okay. Because the, the, the thinking there is often we follow the thinking of the person who came before us, particularly if that person is an influential person within that organisation. Mm. So if we were sharing, and I hear you, James, say something, I'm more likely to say something which links with what yeah. you've said, or I kind of almost censor my ideas against what you've said. Yeah. So, and, and that's where you, you look, and so on a yearly basis we reflect, mm. we think about is this the right way forward, is this having an impact on learning, and is this enabling us to fulfil our strategic plan? Yeah. And my gut feeling is that as long as you're aware of the potential pitfalls yeah. and you try to alleviate those, then this is the best way to do it. Mm. Involving people, uh, mm. having the discussions, getting different eyes on it, different perspectives, yeah. for me, is a, is a, is a bonus. And, and I think it comes down to who you are and how you want to operate as a school. Yeah. And we're not saying that this is right for every single school. Um, but it's right for us as a school. Mm. And I think it's right for the people who work here. And part of what we do for our recruitment and through the retention of staff is that people know this is what we stand for. This yeah. is the kind of culture that we want to create. And so when you do join the school, you know that this is who we are. Yeah. And this is how we're... And what I would say is it gives you opportunities to grow. Mm. So what we've noticed over the years is lots of our staff then go on to leadership roles and so on. And obviously within a school, you've only got X number of leadership roles. So how do you provide opportunity for staff to develop? Mm. How do you provide opportunity for them to develop as leaders? Yeah. And through focus groups and other opportunities within a school, other initiatives they can lead, you're given opportunity for staff who, who do want to develop in that way, yeah. to take leadership and take, um, take part in these kind of groups. Great. Okay, let's um, cover the third strand. There's more than this, but I think this will do for now. So, uh, the individual learning time or your personal learning time, um, which we give quite a lot, don't we? We say to teachers so. over the course of a year for doing the maths, I don't know, uh, quite a lot. Two hours on a Friday every, you know, twice a month maybe. That would yeah. be a, probably a fair, fair approximation. That's quite a lot of time. So, what do we do in personal learning time? And I think it, it comes down to that idea of providing um, time and freedom for staff to engage with their own learning. Um, before I started the school, um, as the school was looking at developing this Friday, this, this professional learning time, one of the questions they've asked the staff is what were the barriers that they felt mm. they had to, to be successful? And part of that was time. Mm. And they said they didn't feel that they had time to engage in new learning to time to engage with colleagues, time to kind of drive their, their own learning through whether it's through reflection or, or through whatever process. And so we felt building in personal learning time on a regular basis gave staff that time that they said they needed to engage in learning. So during that time, it's, it's very much up to staff to direct how they choose. We provide a range of learning opportunities and resources for them. So for example, we, we have a number of online resources we subscribe to where staff can get that research. We have professional learning libraries where staff can, can engage with books and, and recent literature. Yeah. Um, and staff can engage in uh, courses that we, we subscribe to. Mm -hmm. But it's also time for staff to maybe meet with colleagues mm -hmm. and to kind of talk with them about problems or to kind of work together to develop aspects of practice. 
Um, but also time just for that personal reflection mm. to kind of think, okay, where am I? What have I done? What has been the impact so far? And so where do I go next? Yeah. And if we value reflection, then we need to make time for that to happen. Yeah. And, and I think time in schools is generally the most precious commodity. So you need to, you devote or you, you put things in place that you value. We value personal learning time. Okay, so you segued wonderfully into where I was going to go next. Just to frame that very quickly though, uh, the personal learning will usually be driven by three professional learning goals, yep. which are set by the teacher in, in conjunction with their coach or their, their mentor um, at the start of the year, and then yep. they work, we won't go into the details of that, but they work across the year um, to meet those goals and yep. those first <coughs> checkpoints and so on. Okay, right, let's get into the sort of less of the narrative and more of the discussion. Um, and that's on this idea of reflection. So mm -hmm. you said there that we value reflection, yep. and I would agree with you, I think we do. But it's, a, it's one of those terms, isn't it, that can make people run a mile. Um, or some people are like really into it and just you know, writing a personal journal for mm. pages and pages and pages, and some people absolutely seem to sort of detest the idea of it. So what do we mean well, what does it mean to you to be an effect, effective at reflecting on your practice? I completely agree. There's lots of things out there about reflective practice. And I think part of um, the focus group that I'm leading this year is really exploring, well, what do we mean by mm. reflection? And I think ultimately it needs to come down to those practices and ways of being that will enable you to develop that will enable you to progress towards your goals, that will have that impact on learning. Mm. If we're spending time and doing things that ultimately doesn't improve me as a teacher or doesn't have that impact on learning, then we're not doing the right things. Mm. And so we don't want staff to just sit there and write pages and pages unless it's supporting them and helping them in their learning. One of the questions I'm often asked is, can I provide a model, for example? Yeah, yeah. And the difficulty with that is the moment you provide a model, you're almost saying that this is what we want. Mm. And reflection is that personal thing. Mm. I do feel that there's um, a process to reflection. I'd say there's three key steps. It's thinking about what you've done, yeah. thinking about the impact of what you've done and what you've understood. Mm. But the key thing is what are you going to do next mm. and where do you go next? Mm. But if I, if I provide a model and it's all done in some nice little paragraph, then I'm afraid that people think, okay, that's how I need to do it. And it yeah. is a, a very personal thing. It's a difficult balance to strike that one, isn't mm. it? Because I know, uh, personally, I think if, if I would, let's for example say the principal of the school told the staff, uh, for what, half an hour on a Friday afternoon, I expect you to write in your personal learning journal. Mm. I mean, to me, that's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, yeah I just don't want to do that. But... I definitely see those three elements that you talked about. Yeah. There. I'd probably throw one more in about how do you know. I think that's yeah. really, really important. Um, is, is essential. So, so what kinds of things can we do to reflect effectively? Um, maybe we can talk about what we yeah. do, but what, what kind of things have your focus group have you seen coming up? Yeah, well, I think one of the things we've been looking at, we've got our professional learning cycle. So where we've talked about the professional learning time programmes and so on, that's just one aspect of the cycle. Mm. But the cycle is there, what what's drives the learning process throughout the year. 
And so what our group have been doing this year is really looking at that professional learning cycle and thinking, are there opportunities for reflection built in throughout the year? And yeah. that there's opportunities for meaningful reflection. So do you mean that on an individual basis or like a structural basis? Kind of, uh, probably a bit of both. Yeah. So if, if we start off, so our professional learning cycle starts at the beginning of the year with that kind of self-review of teaching standards. Yeah. And part of that is staff reading through our teaching standards and thinking, okay, well, where am I at against these statements? Where are the areas that I feel particularly confident? But likewise, where are the areas that maybe I don't feel are as developed? Mm -hmm. But also that understanding that that might change over time. As you progress against those and as you develop your experience as a teacher, but likewise, as you get new cohorts of children in who represent different challenges or, or who who you actually find, well, actually, I thought I'd nailed this last year, but now this year, these new children are presenting this in a different way, and I'm, I'm still not quite sure. Okay. So we, you build in that reflection at the beginning of the year. You then, through those kind of professional conversations you have throughout the year, questioning to encourage you to think. So whereas a lot of it, the kind of li- traditional line management structures might be very much... Um, one-sided, yeah. where you're, you're going in to say, this is what I've done and why. We're trying to develop a structure where it's very much um, dialogue-based, where it's mm. very much questioning-based to encourage you to reflect and to, to show that progress for yourself uh, to, as you meet with your reviewer. So it's about the kind of conversations we have, it's about the kind of review that we have, but then it's that ongoing job-embedded reflection. Yeah. And the thing I read... Um, this year, it was one of those little slogans that you read, and I can't remember who said it, but um, they called it reflection in action and reflection on action. Okay, nice. And do you know where you read something in when you reflect on it, you think, actually, yeah, that's nailed it. As teachers, we reflect all the time. Yeah. We don't want then that Friday afternoon just to be where teachers are just writing down everything that they've done. Yeah. Because naturally, I've taught my lesson throughout the lesson and, and reflect, and actually, is this having an impact? Are the students really understanding it? Okay, what changes do I need to do mm. now? Or at the end of the lesson, okay, what do I need to put in place for tomorrow to carry on with the learning? Yeah. So that's that kind of reflection, the ongoing reflection. And when we've done a survey of staff, it's, it's remarkable, 99% of our staff said they regularly reflect, which is wonderful. Which is wonderful. It does make me work better. <laughs> it does make me, that's that I'm going to be sharing with yeah. you today. I do think... I wonder who I wonder who the one percent is who like who doesn't who actually said you know what I don't reflect. Yeah. Um, but but I just want to jump in on, on one of the things you said because I think it's really important, and that was um, this relationship between the line manager and the and the reviewee or the coachee and the coach, whatever you want to say. I think a lot of effective reflection is going to be helped when somebody can be vulnerable. So breaking down the I'm doing this to show you that I'm good at my job and I need you to take it off. So therefore I'm going to write the list of stuff that I've done yeah. and this was great and this was great and this was great. But we don't want that, do we? We don't want this narrative and, and self-congratulatory sort of I'm going to prove to my line manager that I'm doing a great job. That's not what we're looking for. We want much more. I'm going to plug Carol, my favourite my favorite professor, Dweck, um, who talks about this idea of being vulnerable. Mm. You know, a growth mindset tendency will allow people to be vulnerable and you say, what, well, you know, I tried it and it completely failed it and I'm going to learn from it by doing this. Mm. Would that be a fair 
sort of description? Yeah, I, I think so. And it, I, when you said that, it connects with that idea of trust. Mm. We want to create a, a culture of trust where that we trust that staff are engaged in their learning and that we, we want staff to feel that they can, uh, we talk about all the time, take risks, for yeah. example. Um, the work I've been reading by um, someone called Brené Brown, yeah. uh, Reciprocal Vulnerability. And again, it all comes down to how you develop relationships with one another. Mm. How is it that we work? Yeah. And I think we're trying to create a culture where we're learning and working alongside one another. And through the conversations that we have, it's that meaningful dialogue, it's that meaningful conversation. What about um, this idea of you need to... If you're going to reflect effectively, so I've set my professional learning goals, yeah. for example. If I'm going to reflect effectively on it, I need to give myself something to reflect upon. So let's say that one of my professional goals is about developing the way that I run team meetings, for mm. example. Could be, could be something to do with that. Make it more engaging and effective and buy-in, etc. So if I just do things and then reflect afterwards on them constantly, then I might end up subconsciously doing the narrative thing. Yeah. Whereas if I set something up in advance that's going to force me to reflect on it, then that could be, that's going to improve my reflection. My, my example there that I'm thinking of is sort of filming that meeting and then running through that video with a coach. It could be the same with the lesson, couldn't it? Yeah. Filming the lesson, running through, and you've got something, you've taken an action to, to force the reflection to happen. Yeah. I think I'm a lot more comfortable with that than I am with just writing like a learning journal. I think where I mentioned before about reflection in action or non-action, yeah. I think that's the difference. Right. This whole principle of reflection on action is you're identifying those key, key mileposts, yeah. like key kind of performance criteria, whatever you want to call those key events which you think is worthy of reflection. Ahead of time. Sometimes yes, sometimes yeah. no. Okay. I think um, the, the question that um, I was reading it just said, what is worthy of reflection? Mm. And if you think you're going to devote yourself and that time where you could be doing something else, you don't want to just make it a meaningless activity, but mm. I've just done this so I can show someone that I've reflected. Yeah. We want it to be a meaningful process. So it's thinking, okay, yeah, it could be planned ahead. Actually, I'm going to go off and I'm going to use this. It's a, it's a particular key moment within my goal this term. So let's reflect against that after. But sometimes, as you know, with learning, things crop up, something happens within a lesson, but you say, actually, I want to step back and think about that. Mm. And whereas we've, we've gone away from this old idea that you have to reflect every single week, mm. we've gone more with that over the course of the year, over the course of the term, it's you're engaging in that reflective process. And rather than saying, yes, you need to reflect five times every term. Yeah which then becomes a prescriptive thing that mm. staff are doing because, okay, yes, I've just got to do it five times, I've done it, I don't need to do it anymore. Trying to make it a meaningful process yeah. and move away from this, I'm just doing it for accountability. No, I'm doing it because I can actually see how it supports my development. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say we've got it all right yet, mm. but I think we've got that vision that we want reflection to be meaningful at school rather than just something that we do because you read on different websites yeah it's like what the we're latest to be cool doing. thing yeah. to do right okay we're approaching time but you just okay. said a word that I really want to spend a few minutes exploring accountability okay um, and this could we could do another hour on this right? <laughs> so we're going to try and keep it to 10 minutes um, so let's take I'm, I'm the guy who I just said there who 
Um, I will reflect and I'll set up critical reflections in a moment. I'll talk to my coach about it, etc. But I'm not a fan of writing it down. Mm. Should I write it down? Should we be, you know, how am I accountable for that? Tell me, tell me what, what would be an expectation? What should I be doing as part of that reflection to, to demonstrate if that's not too much of a... I know we've debated yeah. this, haven't we? So it's a good forum for that debate. I think what's... There does need to be a balance. Mm. And I think um, trying to go around the answer without maybe an answer it, I don't know. Um, we've talked about this whole notion of decoupling professional growth and professional accountability. Yeah. There is a purpose and there is a place for both. Yeah. But what we don't want to do is to muddle them up. Mm. There is a purpose to professional reflection. Um, the research says it, the case studies, people that you talk to, everyone sees the purpose of reflection. So that's why we're engaging with it. But I guess part of our teacher standards and, and part of who we are as a school is that for you to be successful at Garden is that you're a teacher who's engaged in your own self-development. Mm. That you're a teacher who wants to develop to be better than you currently are. Not because you're not good enough, but we know things, like I said earlier, education is changing. Uh, the students we have in each class and each year group, they change. So we need to, to learn alongside and develop with them. And so if you're not engaged in that learning process, if you're not engaged in your own professional development, you might find this more challenging yeah. um, to, to be in. And whereas we don't want to say, you have to do all of this, at the same time, we do want to see some kind of evidence that yeah. you are engaging in the process. And so it's that kind of balance. Um, and I think it more comes back to that why. Mm. So I was recently talking with some people, and when you said that key word accountability, I thought you were going to say the word blue sky. Um, but we won't get into that for another time. Yeah. But when I was um, having a conversation with someone about blue sky, and that's our online learning platform, um, they were just talking about, okay, I'm going to upload this evidence. And we just went back to, to why. Mm. And they were saying, no, oh, but to show that I've done this. Why? Yeah. And so it so, was... So again, is that like a narrative thing? So it's a, yeah. uh, I'm going to upload a photo of me with, <laughs> I don't know, in my meeting to show that I've led that meeting with a PowerPoint yeah. slide. It's similar, but then the moment we started talking about the why, well, actually, because I did this. Yeah. Okay, why? Well, actually, because I did this, this is what the learners. And we explored it and unpacked it. And actually, that photo represented a very key moment in, the, in that teacher's learning, that they said they, they came back to a new realisation, something which they knew about, but it's actually was reinforced in their learning and their own understanding. But up until that point, it was just being something they put up. Yeah as a way of saying that, yes, I'm working towards my goal. Okay. And I think that's what we want as a school. We want to come back to everything that we do is that we're reflecting on the learning yeah. and the impact of learners. So evidence is important. I'm yeah. trying to summarise what you're saying. Evidence is important, but we shouldn't be using evidence for evidence's sake. Yeah. And you're, you, you did take me on there on my point um, of, you know, should I write it down or not? And I think, again, if I'm <laughs> summing, summing this up correctly, you basically said yes, yeah. because 
at some point along the way in the story, we need to be able to retell that story. We need to be able to talk that through with somebody. We need to be able to evidence that we have actually been trying that, that stuff. And I get that, you know, yeah. and I've always been deliberately difficult. Um, and I think I agree with you. You know, I don't think we should be forced to write stuff down, but I do think we need to evidence. And if we, we've got a professional goal over 12 months, we should be evidencing various points and setting up various points to evidence mm-hmm. in order to show that we've achieved that. And I think there is an accountability issue there because um, we want that trust and accountability to be, to, yeah, you said decoupled, and we've talked about this a lot, haven't we? So a lot of stuff has to be decoupled, but we, we want to trust, but we should also trust that you are evidencing. I'm rambling a bit. Does, that, does any of that, that make sense? That, that does. And then I also think it involves think, being creative and thinking creatively. It's not just doing things because we've always done them. Yeah. And so, yes, this is where we are at the moment. And as we go through the year and as we engage in conversations and as we reflect, is this process of writing reflections truly having an impact on yeah. learners? If it is wonderful, yeah. then we'll keep at it. But, again, it's that thing regarding, which is what I really like about being here, is that we keep coming back to learning. We don't do it just for the sake of doing it. Mm. We're doing it because this is having that impact. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's our guiding question. Yeah. So to wrap that up, maybe, on Friday we have a last round of professional yep. learning courses for this year. Um, I know, and I think that this will be mirrored across a number of courses, that the guys, there's about 15 to 20 of them in my room, and they're going to be bringing the work that they've been doing for about six months, uh, what they've trialled, um, what they were hoping to achieve, how far they achieved what they were hoping to, uh, how do they know, and then accept some critical question Mm. and answers, and going through that process. And for me, that is a really powerful form of reflection, because they're going to be uh, putting themselves out there, there'll be an area of vulnerability, but they're opening it up to say, here's what I tried, this worked, this didn't work, this is how I know, and let's talk about how we can get better. And for me, that that kind of sums up our professional learning program. And and, and I think... Highlighting the last step. What next? Yeah, great. Yeah, really good point. Okay, so where are we going to take this from from now? Okay, we're at thirty-six minutes. So I think we're uh, we'll probably stop there. We might have to do a part two. Yeah, because I Love know to. that we're keen to discuss lesson observations. Yeah, open that uh, that kind of worms. Okay, right. It's been a pleasure, David. Thank, Thank you very much. Um, and we'll see you again soon on the garden part.